Well, my name is Doug Bridge, um, pastor of Family Ministries here. Normally, I would be down the hall with all the kids that are in here having a really good time. I'll let you know how this goes. Um, Jim began a series last week entitled Relationship Goals, and his, his part of that was this idea of being Christ-centered. So that's what we did in Children's Church last week as well. Uh, we talked about that dynamic. Of course, we did it kid style. Uh, and I introduced into part of the conversation the idea that um, 43 years ago next month on the 20th, my wife and I will have been married 43 years. Yeah, uh-huh. I don't know, I don't know how she's possibly pulled that off, but I'm happy to go along for the ride. Um, the interesting part of that is most of the parents of the kids I talk to aren't 43 years old, which is kind of an interesting thought when I realized that I could have been teaching, oh, well, anyway, actually I was. So there we go. Um, I asked this question, if I've been married to her for 43 years and she's the love of my life, then who is number one in my life? And they all, Sue is, she is, yes, she is. And I, you know, let the clamor go on for a while, and it's like, yeah, sorry, no, she's number two. And there was kind of this hush in the crowd. They didn't know what to do with that. It's like, doesn't he love his wife? Um, until we talked just a little bit more, and then I already heard the answer shouted out, yeah, somebody else is number one in my life. Somebody else is number one in her life. Same person, it's Jesus Christ. But as long as she keeps him first and I keep him first, then number two is way better than it would have been if they were number one. Um, this idea of having Christ at the center of our lives changes the dynamics of everything else and it makes everything else better uh, than it would be. Um, I think you also talked about something along the lines of a soft feeling center. And do you remember what Jim told you was actually the soft feeling center? Twinkie, Twinkie right. You guys talked about it, we actually had them, you know, because in children's church, we just do it better. <laughs> and it's kind of like my grandpa thing to send kids home with a little sweet in them, you know, so there we go. Um, he also spoke about the myth of the one. Uh, if I find the right one, then somehow everything will be amazing. If I find uh, the right job... If I find the right friend, if I find the right house, the right city, the right church, maybe the right spouse, everything will be wonderful. And you can see the fallacy of that myth, right? If there's going to be the one, then it needs to be Jesus Christ. Thank you. Um, now, I understand that everybody in this room this morning might not be in that place in their life, but I just want you also to consider as we go through this that uh, this isn't based on just some writing somewhere. This is based on experience as well. Uh, some of you enjoy filling in blanks. So can we just go ahead and that's what we're going to be talking about this week. Not Christ-centered, but kingdom living. And now I'm going to give you some blanks to fill in. Each of us lives our life centered around someone or something. That's whether or not you have a relationship with Jesus Christ or not. Your life is centered around someone or something. Who or what is your life centered around? Um, it's a fair question. It's, it's one that has an obvious answer. 
If you're in this room at this time, um, we obviously have a, a worldview that says there is a very clear and concise answer to this. But if I were being completely honest, the answer is not always the reality. I want Jesus Christ to be at the center of my life, but there are times when other things creep in and mess that up, um, especially if I put myself there. If all of a sudden I'm the center of my life and I'm right and everybody else is wrong, even if I put my marriage there or my kids there or my job or my school or the team that I play on, if I put any of those things at the center of my life, things, things are going to be messed up at some point. Let's look at Matthew 22, 37 through 39. It says, Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. How many of you have ever had to maybe memorize that verse at some point in your life? How many of you memorize verses? We need to have some of you come to children's church once in a while, okay? That's not something that just children do. Uh, it might be a little more difficult for those of us out of grade school, but it's not any less important. Uh, isn't it interesting that technically there's only one person who we can love wholeheartedly and still have love not only left over, but overflowing? Um, to have Jesus at the center of my life and to love him wholeheartedly means I can love others better. I will be a better husband, a better friend. Uh, let's go ahead and put up the, the thing that Jim had last week. He took care of the, the red up in the left-hand corner. This week, we're doing this one here with the idea of kingdom living. Uh, I'll tell you about the next one when we're wrapping up today. It looks like next week's going to be kind of fun. All right, so we speak of relationships, and when we do, most often, we think of marriage. I mean, I've already told you that I'm married and have been for 43 years in just a little bit here. Um, but it's not just marriages that we're addressing. This is relationship goals. There are all kinds of relationships. And even though marriages might take major hits, um, so do other relationships. And I need to read this next part, and you'll see why. I, I want to make sure that we get an idea as to what I'm talking about today. We all have mothers and fathers. Our relationships with these people may thrive or be non-existent or somewhere in between. There may, may be brothers or sisters or both. Some have husbands or wives, children and grandchildren, aunts and uncles, nephews and nieces. There are also acquaintances and friends, neighbors, colleagues, co-workers, people we go to school with, people who walk their dog by our house. There are teammates, bus drivers, coaches, teachers, hairdressers, barbers, healthcare professionals, and mail carriers. The person who checks your groceries, fixes your roof, or sprays your yard for weeds. Hopefully not all the same person. Uh, the people you binge watch with or your fishing buddies. For those of us who are followers of Jesus and who call Verde Valley Christian Church home, there is our church family. And while our church family members might be older than us or younger than us or different than us, we each share in the wonderful relationship with Jesus and are seeking to move from wherever we are to where God wants us to be. Good. So I'd like to share a little bit about where this idea of kingdom living comes from. 
and a little more about what it means. Let's look at Matthew 6.33 for just a moment. Seek first God's kingdom and what God wants. Then all your other needs will be met as well. Hmm. That sounds pretty simple. Just not easy. Big difference between the two, right? Simple is right there. Not a whole lot of components. But easy has to do with the work involved and seeking God's kingdom first and what he wants. Uh, for those of you that are those blank filler-inners, we have another set of blanks for you to fill in. Here you go. Each of us lives within the boundaries of a kingdom. Whether you have Jesus Christ in your life or not, everyone lives within the boundaries of a kingdom. Whose kingdom do you seek first? Which king has ultimate authority in your life? Thank you. Preach it. We are directed to seek first God's kingdom and what he wants. And before going any further, I'd like to explain something that you all know, but I just want to clarify. We do not live here in the United States in a physical kingdom. We threw off that shackle long ago. You know, that was the whole history of the United States and, and that we didn't like that. And so sometimes in our thinking, we get this impression that kingdoms are evil. The kings are all bad. And for the most part, they're not perfect, that's for sure. Uh, but in that, in that idea of a monarchy, which we don't experience on a daily basis, there is this person who is a king, and that king is sovereign. In other words, everyone serves at the king's pleasure. Not what I want, what the king wants. A servant of the king includes everyone, not just the people in the castle that actually serve him hand and foot, but clear on up through the nobleman. Uh, everyone is a servant to the king. He is the supreme ruler, possessing supreme or ultimate power. Uh, and just as an interesting side note, I really wish we could have done a survey as people came in, but especially between second and third service, that hallway gets interesting out there. It's, it's a negotiation, isn't it? Trying to find your way through the hall. Um, if we were to, had to have asked in a survey what people thought Jesus' central message was, I'm sure we would have had some people say that it's truth, because he said he was the way, the truth, and the life. Um, certainly there would have been a number of people who would have said his central message was love. Um, I'd like to share some interesting facts about those actual words in the Gospels. You ready for it? Truth is mentioned 30 times, so it's important. Love is mentioned 55 times, maybe even more important. But this idea of kingdom is mentioned 127 times more than the other two combined. Now, his kingdom is based on truth. His kingdom is based on love. But kingdom was a central message. And, and so in this idea of how we deal with kingdom and what do we do in our lives with this idea of love, and one of the most difficult things, I think, for those of you in this room who are parents or who work with children as either teachers or in some other capacity... There's this idea of relationships that are good for kids and relationships that aren't good for kids. And 
in a home that's following Christ, it's difficult to know what do we do there. I mean, we want our kids to be around good kids. But at the same time, how are the kids that don't know Christ ever going to know about Christ if the kids who have the light just stay, you know, in a tight little cloister? And yet, you don't want your children to be in a position where it's not good. And the conundrum is there, but I think, I think the, uh, the simple test is this. Who is influencing whom? If your child and the light that they have in them is the one that's influencing the others, then that's a good thing. But if their darkness is influencing your child, then that needs to be renegotiated. Uh, by the way, that's true for adults as well, isn't it? I mean, it's not just kids who struggle with, how do I do this? Um, and it's very easy for us as believers to wind up and look around and say, hmm, I don't know anybody that doesn't know Jesus. Um, Orion, you in the house? Can you hustle yourself up here, please? Appreciate you, sir. Uh, we have a little object lesson that we're going to do right here to lead into our next point because this is how we roll in children's church. He is no longer a child, however, as you'll tell. Yeah, come stand next to me right over here, Orion. You get center stage. This is why we treat them nice when they're little. Eventually, they become much bigger than us. I'm so glad you're a good guy. Okay, so here's the deal. Do you know what this is? A chair. Okay, what kind of a chair? Okay, good deal. So here's what I'd like to do. I'll, I'll put it here so it's not on that pad. Would you go ahead and sit in that chair, please? No, 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 no. Just sit in the chair. Is that working well for you? No. No. What, is it, what needs to happen? It needs to flip. It needs to unfold, right? And if we did that, now if we said, go ahead and sit in the chair. Oh, you're good. And I appreciate you trusting me. Thank you so much. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You know that Twinkie thing? Oh. You believe Walmart was out of Twinkies? But a zinger is just a Twinkie with frosting. So there you go. Thank you, sir. Appreciate you. Thank you very much. Which brings us to something else that we'll put up on the screen right now, if you would. Duh. I mean, it was a no-brainer, wasn't it? I was just glad he was, you know, nice to me about it. Um, this idea of doing first things first, it, it's a core statement of our church. But we didn't just come up with it because it sounded good. It comes from this Matthew passage where put first God's kingdom. First things first. Um, that helps us understand what our mission is in life, what our purpose is in life, the direction that we want to go in life, our goals, uh, our relationship with him, our relationship with others. Um, here's, here's this little side note too. Can you get me Amos 3.3? 3? Wow, he's fast, isn't he? It's amazing. Um, can two people walk together without a green on the direction? It's like a proverb, except that's another book. This one's written by Amos. And it seems so very, very simple, I think, that how can we possibly walk together with someone if we haven't agreed on the direction? But can I call myself a Christian, a Christ follower, being Christ-centered and kingdom living, if I'm not walking together with him and agreeing on the direction he chooses for me. 
If seeking first God's kingdom is how I can be an obedient follower of Jesus, then what he did should act in his example for what he wants me to be about, walking in the same direction that he does. Thank you, Amos. Uh, let's look at 1 Peter 4.10. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. There are so many examples of, of how serving is what brings about this exciting dynamic of relationship when we serve the king and by doing that like he did, serve others, it brings us to another core statement that we have at our church, which is, go ahead. Yeah, good. I'm just going to let that sink in for a second. Because you know what's really exciting is when I see somebody like Orion who, when he was little, and that wasn't for very long, but when he was little and was in children's church, he was paying attention. And you know how I know that? Because now as this tall young man, he's found all kinds of neat ways to serve in, in this church. He's found all kinds of neat ways to serve in the community. Um, it's exciting to watch when people realize that these things in Scripture aren't just verses that we memorize, but they're ways that we live our lives. Uh, Philippians 2, 5 through 7, if you would, please. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. Wow. Well, I'm already made in human likeness, so I got that one checked off. And, and now, can I follow Christ's example and become a servant? Actually serving the needs of others, putting them ahead of myself, like Christ did, in his case, to the place of death. You blank filler inners, here's your last big chance for the day. Point three, each of us lives with a center and a kingdom. Will you choose Christ-centered kingdom living? You see, the word choose is underlined because this all boils down to a choice. It's one that initially you make in accepting Christ as the king in your life. You know, we say, I want Jesus to be my savior. Well, yeah, but I want Jesus to be my Lord, my master, my king as well. And, and so this idea of choosing Christ-centered kingdom living isn't something that you just choose once and now you're good. It's something you have to choose every day, many, many times in a day to remember that Christ needs to be at the center and it's living in his kingdom. Are my relationships at the king's pleasure? Uh, this afternoon at three o'clock in the event room, we're gonna be honoring and appreciating up to, if they all showed up, 170 different people in our church who have served some way in children's ministry here over the last year. The dessert that we're serving won't be fancy, uh, but it's to thank everyone who serves, to share with them what God has done this last year, to show them some of the things that we see God doing in this coming year. So nursery workers, pulse leaders, summer's great adventure workers, and children's church leaders, 
We're hoping you'll be here this afternoon at three. But did you hear what I just talked about? It was people serving. Those are people who are serving who are everywhere from sixth grade on up to like 90-something. They're serving. They found exciting ways to do that. It doesn't have to be in children's ministry, although I think that's, of course, the best place to be. But an amazing thing can happen when you serve alongside people, when, when Christ is at the center of their life and Christ is at the center of your life, and you're serving alongside with, alongside with each other on this like common goal. You, you have this, this thing that has driven you, and then those relationships become almost like a supernatural charged thing, and Jesus Christ in the process sparks the passion, and it, it catches, and it, it lifts each, all of us up, and which brings me to some fun. I love this part. This is now officially my favorite sermon I've ever preached, not because it's my best, but just because of this next part. Uh, and I, I wish I had time to expand on this, but let me show you three guys. They've shared a passion that I've had in my life. Uh, when I came on staff 17 years ago, there was a Mexico trip I had to go to. Now I don't have to go anymore. I get to go. Uh, I will be... This next month, it will be my 36th trip. I, I love, now that, that's not the point. If you get to, it, it has taken a hold of me. I look forward to that trip, and then we get to do another one with the high schoolers in the summer. And it's exciting stuff because we get to see God work in ways that's sometimes difficult here because we're so busy. And it isn't that we're not working hard. Oh, my goodness. But... Having been down there all those times over 17 years, these three guys in particular, and in no particular order, except I like picking on Mark Grinnell over there on the far left, um, we've shared that passion of that Mexico trip now for a number of years. And it's no longer just a Mexico thing. It's spilled over into our lives here in Cottonwood. Um, when I call Mark, his first thing is, whatever you need, brother. Always. Without hesitation. And it's not brother, it's always brother, because you know, he's, he's good at that. Uh, Gene Schneider up in the middle. Uh, how can I help? What, what do you have for me to do? And if you've ever been to Mexico and had Gene's beans, well, then you know it's, it's amazing. The man can cook, too. I don't know how that happens. And then Tom Sanders uh, over here on the far right. Um, I don't hold it against him that when I call him and his phone rings, it says shiny head. Okay. <laughs> just because he has hair on his head. But anyway, he is always happy to help. And one of the reasons I brought them up, could have brought up a number of others as well, but all of those new chairs that are back there, the only reason we have those new chairs instead of those black ones is because they were in here this last week, putting them all together, making them all fit, getting the stuff on the backs of them. Don't you think those of you who are sitting in them, they're way better than the black chairs? Yeah, way better. Yeah, well, you can thank these guys and about three others who went crazy this last week. Um, how about the next picture? You might recognize this guy as well. See him waving usually? Um, I want you to understand something. Rusty serves three services a week. Okay, he's here. He's here about the time to pass. Well, no, okay. He gets here about 7 o'clock every morning on Sundays so that he can get his radio and, you know, get his stuff and get out there so he can wave to you all just let you know that he's glad you're here and, and he's hoping that you're going to get as much out of this as he does all the time. He stays till third service people are in and then he goes home. Um, but we've held each other accountable on stewardship. 
stewardship of our time, stewardship of our finances, stewardship of all kinds of things. And this is, if I had to give Rusty one quote, because this is the one he's always telling me, remember, Doug, just give it to the Lord. He's got it figured out, folks. He knows what serving is all about, and it's not always easy. Um, this next picture, two people you might recognize from down the halls on Sunday mornings. Uh, you don't recognize them as well as I do, though. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's Art and Sandy Kane. And uh, I love saying this because it's true, but it comes across like a joke. Because I've known Art now for 50 years, and we've been friends for 43 of them. Um, that was because when we met, I was only 14, and he was not, and he was already married and had kids, but we met, and we knew about each other, and you know, we were in the same church and doing stuff, and then it was in 1977 that I took a job as a Christian teacher in a Christian school, and he was the fifth grade teacher, and I was the sixth grade teacher, and we were the only two guys on staff besides the principal, and a friendship was really born out of just knowing each other. And here we are, you know, 40 some odd years later. Um, and it's because we shared a common goal, a common ministry, a common desire. We both felt called by God to share the gospel with children and do it in such a way that we not only got to share the gospel, we got to show them how mathematics and science and history and all the rest dovetail into who God is because his fingerprints are all over it all. Um, I, I'd love to tell you all kinds of neat things about he and Sandy both, but I mean, 50 years, we'd be here all day. So I'll give you Proverbs 18, 24. It says, there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. He's that man. And I love him for it. When you've served side by side in ministry and, and you've shared in the great moments and the difficult times and the heartbreaks and the good and, and wonderful things, it makes having fun together when you're just relaxing really enjoyable. Let's put this next guy up here. You'll recognize this guy right away. Yeah. Yeah. We share a name but he got the hair, the looks, and the height, so what are you going to do? I don't know what. But at least I get to share a name with him. And we enjoy fishing together. It's one of those things that we're, I don't know if you all know, that we wait for you all week long. This is the best day of the week. I mean, we're, we're working and doing things and preparing and all that, but, but being together and having the camaraderie that we have on the staff here is just amazing. But we also like to get away sometimes. And one of the things that Doug and I and a few other men do is we go fishing. Can you go ahead and pull up the first one? This was, yeah, that's like a real fish, you know? That's a freshwater bass. And 12 years ago, I'd never fished for a bass in my life. I only knew what trout were. Um, some guys in this church introduced me to, uh, to bass. And it's been a blast. And here's one of the guys that showed me how to fish for those fish. I'm really glad I get the microphone last today, okay? Um, because there's that joy. It, you know, this is something I can't do with just anybody. But um, it's, it's sharing in those. Yeah, I'll show you somebody that you don't know. You've probably never met and may never see. Go ahead and, 
if you pull up, this Mark and Karen Bridford standing next to my wife and I up there. They're the good-looking ones in blue and white and my wife in pink. I'm just there for contrast. Um, uh, these are friends that our common, our common goal, our common ministry is that we had worked together at Knott's Berry Farm, and we also ended up having children at the same time, and some wonderful relationships grew, raising our kids together with another couple and some other friends, and it was just a, a wonderful time of life. It was a great season of life, and we, we developed friendships with, with them all, but these are the two that have just remained. Um, their kids are grown. Our kids are grown. I mean, they're, they're oldest. No, their second oldest is a major in the Air Force, for Pete's sake. I mean, you know, it's, it's been a while. Um, but we, we stay connected. I know every detail about what's going on in his church in California. He knows every detail about what's going on here in our church. When, when something is amiss or something is exciting, he's the one I call. He's, he's the one I can share with that's, that's not here. He's the one that, that is supporting, and I, I get those texts like this morning. I got a text saying, praying for you while you preach. You know, that's so great to have that kind of, and it's not because he's a great guy or because I'm a great guy. It's because Jesus has been at the middle of it since the beginning. It's, it's just so exciting to recognize what God does. We, they refer to us as their bridge fix. You know, they, their last name is Bridgeford. We're just easier. And if you notice the picture, what's in the background, you know, that's all subtle stuff there, but just saying. Okay? Um, and then let me show you the last picture, the one you probably expected me to pull up. Yeah. Oh, I'll tell you. 43 years next month, and it started at Knott's Berry Farm as co-workers. Um, I didn't know where she was at. I just knew I wanted to be wherever that was. Um, and there were some questions that were asked. People knew that I was a student at a Bible college, and so you know they were constantly trying to give me, like, can you, can you answer this one, bright boy? And of course, half the time I couldn't. Uh, I had to go back and talk to my professors and find a good answer. Uh, but in that process, we started talking amongst people, and I said, well, why don't we just get together and talk about the Bible? You guys, bring your questions, and we'll knock them out. If we can't figure them out, I'll go get answers, and we'll come back the next week. And she showed up. <laughs> and that's where it all began. So I highly recommend Bible studies. So do you see, though, that this isn't just about marriage? Okay, it's not just about marriage. It's about all of our relationships. It doesn't matter if you're married or single. It doesn't matter if you're in a, a great friendship or you just lost your best friend. It's about putting Christ at the center of our lives and therefore at the center of our relationships. The kingdom living that we're talking about doesn't happen alone in a bubble. It happens with Jesus at the center and then building out from there with relationships that are constantly God-honoring and bringing him to the forefront, even the person that walks by your house with their dog. There's a relationship there as well. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your great and awesome love. We thank you that you are truth. But most of all this morning, Father, we want to thank you that you are the king of all kings and that living in your kingdom uh, is so absolutely wonderful. God, to recognize that your decisions are always best, that you always have our best interests at heart, 
that your desire is to have a close and intimate relationship with each of us and, and not to take the place of anyone else, God, but to cause those other relationships to be what they can be as well. Father, we thank you so much for your son, Jesus Christ. God, I would just ask that if there's any here this morning that can't call you Lord and Savior, that that would be changed today for them. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So as you leave here, I've been reminded that I need to tell you two things. First of all, there will be a prayer team. There is a prayer team. Wow, you guys are good. There is a prayer team over here. If you've never accepted Christ as your Savior and you want to know what that's about, they can tell you. If you have some prayer requests that you need somebody to pray with you, they can pray with you. And that next week, part three in this Relationship Goals series, we've done Christ-centered, now kingdom living. Next week, I'm looking forward to hearing this, and I feel bad that Jim got it, but devil-kicking. I mean, how good can devil-kicking be? It's got to be fantastic. So have a great week, keeping Christ at the center. Bless you.